I think that many people in Israel, especially um, religious Jews, people who, who are faithful to the Bible and to the Word of God, definitely see Israel as a nation, but as a sort of a supernatural nation, in that we are here not only to just have a strong country with a strong economy and a strong military, but a country that is meant to serve God and to really be a light into the nation. That's the role of the Jewish people. friends welcome my name is Beto Gudino and today we have an epic episode we're gonna be talking a little bit of the 75 anniversary of Israel as a state and today we have Rabbi Tuli talking with us because he's in Israel I believe so you know we're gonna find out uh, whether he's there or not but it's gonna be an epic conversation we're gonna talk about a little bit of the Israel Bible that I have here in the back of my screen. And I also have this book called The 75 Hebrew Words and the relationship of Hebrew in the creation of Israel as a state. Okay, so I have so many questions. I have so many maybe lack of, of uh, vocabulary, but today we're going to find out how to call it. So welcome, Rabbi Tuli. How are you doing? It's so nice to be with you. So nice to be with you. Okay, so you're in Israel? I'm in Israel, yeah. I'm like not too far from Jerusalem, uh, just outside of uh, Jerusalem. Yes, Beto. Wow, that's pretty epic. Okay, so we're going to start today's episode with an emoji reaction. We're going to go to the beliefometer. Are you ready? <laughs> ready. Uh-oh. What is it going to be today? Let's go to the... Emoji Belief-O-Meter. And the emoji of today is the divine emoji. The divine emoji. That's so epic. So, Tuli, why did you choose the divine emoji to kick off today's episode? Beto, this week in Israel and all over the world, the Jewish people are celebrating the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year. And it is the day we start the year, and we do that by coronating God as the king of the whole universe. And so in one of our prayers, we say that all of the nations are going to worship God together, and we are going to give God the crown of his kingdom. And that's when I saw your emoji with the crown on it. It reminded me of the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Awesome. Okay, so we kick off with the divine emoji. And that's so epic. I mean, I love this type of conversations when I get to talk with people, maybe with a little bit of different, maybe faith backgrounds. I don't like I don't love to use that word faith background. But I think it's helpful for people because that's how people take it anyways. Um, but I love this, you know, I've, it's not every day that I get to talk to somebody, uh, especially who's like depth uh, involved with with 
with their maybe religion, you know, I'm just going to use big words today so that people, you know, are, are kind of familiar with what we're talking about, you know? So I feel like in this sense, you're a rabbi, right? So it's almost like for, for a Christian, maybe a pastor or a teacher of the word. Um, so in that sense, I feel like, okay, cool. What do you have to say about, you know, as a teacher, what would you have to say about, um, your sacred books, right? So today I want to start off a little bit with that idea of the 75th anniversary of Israel, which just happened, what, in like March or something like that, right? Like a few months ago. And yeah, so that's a very special year. And I was reading in, in I think it was in, either in the, the Bible, what is it called? The Israel Bible, that really for, for that to have happened, Israel had to come kind of like together and say what's going to be our language right and i would love for you to kick off with that idea you know like the 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 the, the i don't know if it's the unity of having a common language but tell me your perspective on on israel celebrating 25 anniversary but specifically that connection to to having a unifying language yeah that's a great question and it's one of the miracles of israel that when all of the Jewish people came back to the land, so they agreed to speak Hebrew. And that's really important, really significant, and miraculous, because Hebrew was the language that the Jewish people spoke. When God gave the, the Torah, the Bible, the law to Moses, he gave it in Hebrew. Hebrew was the holy language. It's always been the holy language. The Bible was written in Hebrew. And so if you're reading the Bible in English or in Spanish, you're reading a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation of a translation, and the original text was in Hebrew. And so the Hebrew language is a very special and holy language. The Jewish people always used it for prayer and for study, but when we were living all over the world, we would speak, if we were living in America, we would speak English. If we were living in Mexico, we would speak Spanish. If we were living in Germany, we would speak German. And so Hebrew was only used for prayer and for study for literally thousands of years. But then 75 years ago, like you said, in 1948, when the Jewish people came back to Israel as prophesied by the Bible, so they all agreed to forego and abandon, really, the language that they all knew the languages that they all knew and they agreed to speak the common language in the language of hebrew and it was the first time in the history of the world that a language that was kind of dead was revitalized and so hebrew is a big part of the story of the modern state of israel wow that's amazing okay so uh i mean i hear you speaking clearly in english right but is it is it like the official language Hebrew or is that something you are taught to you know like oh as a as a Jewish in Israel uh, we really want you to start learning Hebrew or or what's the typical language you grew up with now? Well, I'm from America. I moved to Israel 12 years ago, and so um, but like many Jewish people all over the world, we learn Hebrew when we're children. We learned to pray in Hebrew, and we learned to read the Bible in Hebrew. And so I knew Hebrew when I was a child, and I went to a Jewish school, and I learned more Hebrew. And then when we moved to Israel, so 
um, we learned Hebrew. We had to learn how to speak Hebrew um, more frequently in conversation. And my children now, their primary language, their first language really is Hebrew and English for them is their second language. Wow. That's that's impressive. Okay, so I just want to get one maybe controversy for our conversation today out of the way, uh, real quick. And uh, you know, I don't want to I don't want to debate. I don't want to do anything of that. Um, but because maybe it will guide me where I want to go. I just want to know this: when you refer to the Bible, I I'm assuming you're referring to like Old Testament for me, right? Or are are you including New Testament? Or is that no, no? I mean, we're we're Jewish. We focus on Old Testament. Just to clarify that. Yeah, good question. So right, when Jewish people refer to the Bible, we're referring to the, the Hebrew Bible, which is the Old Testament. And um, we don't love the terminology Old Testament because it kind of implies that it's old and that it is re been replaced by something newer, something better. And so we like refer to it actually in Hebrew as the Tanakh. Tanakh, which which uh, stands, it's three letters that stand for the Torah, Nevi'im, the prophets, and Kituvim, the uh, the writings. So our Bible has 24 books. It begins with Genesis, and then it goes through Chronicles, or Second Chronicles. Love it. Okay. So I asked that question because... For example, and um, you're a rabbi, right? So you're in the in the teaching environment, and uh, I mean, I grew up as a Christian, and I grew up reading what I call the New Testament, or you know the writings where the Gospels are, or Paul, and many of these were written by early Jewish followers of Jesus, right? And What's so interesting to me is that I see even Jesus as a, I mean, he was even called a rabbi, right? And, and a teacher. When you hear that, do you hear, I mean, is that is that kind of like a, a, a deformation in your understanding? I'm not saying, you know, it's right or wrong, but um, do you read uh, these gospels at all? Is that something, you know, you're interested in, like seeing Jesus, even just as a teacher, or as a rabbi, what did he have to say? Or do you just focus more like on, on the, the Tanakh, like you said? Yeah, I definitely focus more on the Tanakh, but because I work with so many Christians, um, I do find myself from time to time looking into the New Testament. And what is remarkable is so much of the New Testament is actually just a paraphrase of the of the Hebrew Bible. And so much of what Jesus said was actually he was quoting. He didn't have the New Testament. He was quoting from his Bible. The Bible that Jesus used was, of course, the Tanakh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So, um, when uh, this is just, again, uh, after this, I want to move out and away from this and just kind of like go to Joshua because today, I don't know why Joshua is in my mind, but also I, I just want to say this to you. Jesus said, um, a house divided against itself will not prevail when, when they you know some people were claiming that he was casting out demons in the name of uh, Belzebul and you know, kind of like he implying that he was in the in the realm of the demonic. And I love how Jesus says, you know, a house divided against itself will not prevail. And I wanted to mention that because I feel like what, what you talked about in terms of um Israel coming together and having a common language. Do you see any correlation 
with with that idea of like a house divided against itself cannot prevail and the idea of language as a as a unifying element almost in that same arena absolutely yeah i think that you know unity is something that um is one of the keys to any civilization survival and certainly it's a big theme throughout the tanakh throughout the torah the idea that especially the jewish people in the land of israel have to be unified um in fact jerusalem right the holy city of jerusalem which is our capital it says in psalms is uh the city that that unifies everything together ir shechubra layachtav in hebrew we say ir shechubra layachtav jerusalem is the city that unifies everyone and uh you find that in jerusalem that there is this sort of these good vibes there's good energy in jerusalem and uh, you kind of feel connected to each other and also connected to god more than any other place in the world wow that's impressive i would love to go to israel one of these days uh, sooner than later but let's I want to talk about a little bit of, uh, I was reading today, Joshua. Would you say, um, what, what's Joshua in Hebrew? Like, how would you even pronounce that name? Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Yehoshua. Yeah. Yehoshua. Okay. Yehoshua. Okay. That's not, that's not really far-fetched. So I'll tell you a quick story. And this is, you know, for people that kind of like know my show, I love to talk about um, stories of my childhood here and there. And when I was, I'm going to say like 10 years old, something like that, maybe even younger, maybe eight, eight through 10. I can't really recall, but my neighbor across the street, he was from the U.S. and he came with a family and they were kind of like missionaries. Um, I'm thinking back, I'm thinking they were kind of like Christian missionaries, even though back in the days I wasn't really paying attention to any of that. Um, But nonetheless, his name was Joshua. And I remember, you know, growing up in Mexico, of course, my accent, I mean, I spoke Spanish. So listening to his name, I try to say his name and I could never pronounce it right, like Joshua. So I always said Jasgua, like Jasgua, like very, very accentuated, you know, with a very Mexican, like thick uh, pronunciation. So, I mean, I say all that because I feel like sometimes language is, It's like that, right? Like sometimes um, you have a word and you kind of know how to say it, but you say it the best you can because maybe you're from a different country and, and whatnot. And I feel like that's what happens sometimes when, when people translate things, right? When, like you're saying right now, I say Joshua now because now I know, right? But you're saying the, the, the Hebrew name just sounds a little bit different, but similar, right? So why did you say Yehoshua? Yehoshua, yeah, Yehoshua. Yehoshua. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I know that a lot of Christians actually, similarly, the name Jesus is in Hebrew, Yeshua, which mm -hmm. is very similar to Joshua. Um, mm -hmm. in, in Hebrew, we don't really have the J sound. It's more like a, the J is a Y. And so mm -hmm. Jerusalem is Yerushalayim. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, perfect, Yerushalayim. Okay, I love that. So... Uh, let's talk about a little bit about Joshua. Are there any words in this book that kind of stand out to you when you read it, when you think of like the 75 Hebrew words, 
Is there anything that stands out to you in this story? And and maybe even we can summarize the story a little bit, right? Like Joshua is um, basically at this point, Moses is dead. He he was bringing people out of Egypt into the promised land. And he had the promise, you know, that you're going to this land of milk and honey. And Joshua is kind of like the guy that takes on the baton or, you know, got passed on the baton to to take the lead and finally get the people across the river, right? Is the 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 Jordan River is like, okay, once we cross the river, we're gonna conquer. Um, we're gonna I mean they go that's when they march seven times around the walls of Jericho, they scream on the seventh day, the walls fall, they take, you know, their the the bounty pretty much, and so on, right? I mean the story goes on, but I I mean just the story alone, are there any words that stand out to you when you read this story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when uh, Joshua takes over, so he's very uh, unsure of himself and even insecure. And many times God has to reassure him. And he uses the same two Hebrew words over and over. God keeps saying to Joshua, Chazak ve'amatz. Chazak ve'amatz. You shall be strong. Chazak means to be strong. And mm. ve'amatz means like to be resolute and to be confident. And uh, that is God's constant encouragement of Joshua to be strong and to be resolute. And um, I think that especially for those of us who feel unequipped or insecure in whatever we are uh, trying to achieve, so we can look back at God's words of encouragement to Joshua and uh, be encouraged and inspired. Whoa, that's so awesome. Okay, I love that. And I'm going to stay right there a little bit because you mentioned words like strong. And I think in, in I don't know, my translation or paraphrase, I would say, you know, like God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And you use the word strong, confident and resolute. And I love the word, even the word confident. Because I, I don't remember where, maybe on some like post on Instagram, I was learning that the word confident means like with faith, right? And uh, that's, I mean, that's an interesting word in itself, like faith and the concept of, of what it means. That's why I said, you know, sometimes I, I don't really refer to a faith as a background. I refer it more to like confidence and resolution in our actions. Um, so that's awesome, you know. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, Uh, like, how do you perceive the story of Joshua, like you said, maybe being uh, unsure of himself and then taking on the land? Like, what do you think it was about um, hearing the word of God, maybe? But if, if you would put it into words or into like the, the practicality of the story, where did you see Joshua actually being strong and confident, whereas before so he wasn't? So Joshua kind of emerges as a hero, uh, not in the book of Joshua, but much earlier in the book of Numbers. And in the book of Numbers, so Moses decides to send spies into the land. And what he does is he appoints one um, leader of every tribe. There's 12 tribes, and he appointed one of the leaders of all of the different tribes. And um, from the tribe of Ephraim, So he chose Joshua. Joshua was only one of the two tribes who um, was 
when they went into Israel, when they went into the promised land, the, the holy land. So if you remember there, so they all came back and came back to Moses and said, whoa, 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 not so fast. There's giants there. The people are strong. We don't have a chance. We're grasshoppers compared to them. And uh, Joshua and Caleb, right, were the only two who said, no, what are you talking about? God promised us this land. It is a good land. It is a land that is flowing with milk and honey, and we will conquer it, and we will be strong because God blessed us to be to be there. And so that is really where Joshua emerges as a as a leader and as a strong, courageous uh, hero, really in the Bible, who was willing to go against his colleagues who were, you know, all fellow leaders of all of the tribes. And he went against them. He showed his strength and he showed his courage by demonstrating his faith in God. When God promised that their settlement of the land would be, would be successful. Wow. Yes. So good. Okay. So here's another thing about this story and it's just so fresh no pardon me if it's just so fresh in my mind because i was just reading it this morning uh no versus anything else we could talk about but i i just kind of like love these ideas of confidence and you know conquering and god kind of like expecting faith out of us and resolution so uh, there's this story i think it's in joshua 2 or joshua 3 where Joshua sends two spies to the land, right? And, and kind of like to see what was going on in this land. But what is so intricate, it's so interesting to me, is that when the spies get there, it's almost like the people already knew that, that Israel, or you know, like the Hebrews wanted to come in and conquer, you know, because it says that Rahab was... In a, in a sense, she was afraid and she says, oh, we know you guys are, we know you guys are coming. You guys, I know you guys are around the corner, even to the yeah. point, you know, where, where she says, I'm going to hide you. I'm going to help you out and kind of like, remember me when you come and conquer and all that, you know, gets, gets resolved towards the end of, you know, of the chapters where, uh, I mean, she's, she's kind of like her and her family protected and safe from this conquer. Right. So, I mean, that is epic, but what, what was so interesting to me is that even before this happened, there was a sense already that that Israel was going to come and conquer. So that's so interesting, the fact that on one hand he's saying you got to be courageous and confident, but almost like the other side is seeing you as that already, and you don't even realize it, right? Like the 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 other nation is seeing them as like, oh, these guys are about to, you know, like kick our butts. Uh, but you don't see that, right? So what does that have to say about maybe that that side of us that we have so much potential, but it's maybe unrealized or not yet realized, right? Or it's about to be realized and we don't even know, but people around us know. Is there something to that? Do you see anything like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And Rahab, like you mentioned, is a great example of a, an outsider who sees something that, you know, that they themselves were struggling with. And uh, she recognized, like you said, that she says, 
I know here, I mean, uh, I have the Bible that you have there, the Israel Bible. Nice. Is, uh, so cool. Yeah, this Bible, which we, um, which uh, which me and a, and a team put together over a number of years is really focused on Israel. Um, and all of the study notes on the bottom highlight the importance of the land of Israel. So here we, it mentions that, um, or the it says in, Chapter 2, verse 9, Rahab says to the spies, I know that God has given this country to you because the dread of you has fallen upon us and all the inhabitants of the land are, are quaking before you. And we have heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we have heard, and she, and she goes on and on and on, uh, and she recognizes the God of Israel, giving the land of Israel to the people of Israel, more so than the actual Israelites. And uh, it's a really important example, and we see this throughout the Bible, that there's often non-Jewish people, Gentiles, who recognize the God of Israel and who play a super important role throughout in encouraging the Jewish people, and especially when it comes to settling the land. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so interesting. And even again, I, I mean, maybe just <laughs> out of whatever's in my mind right now. And again, I don't want to go into controversies, but for example, the fact that to me, right, and it's the Christian podcast, anyways. But uh, Matthew names Rahab in the in the lineage of Jesus. So to me, that that's so intricate, right? How there's a, a Gentile who plays a role, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I see it just from, from, from the sense of like, wow, the lineage of Jesus had a Gentile in that sense, and how God used this woman really to, to protect Israel, but also to launch them into their next step, right, in conquering the land. That's just yeah. so epic, so interesting. And um, What's even more epic, yes. what's even more epic, Beto, is that today you have also the same exact thing you have the jewish people now again after, since the time of joshua and joshua conquered the land and he moved the and led the people of israel into the land so we were then kicked out and we were scattered and then it says though in the bible that you're going to go to the four corners of the earth you're going to be exiled but then you're going to come back and god's going to remember you and bring you back and that's what's happened really in the last 75 years. God remembered Israel. He brought them back to Israel. And again, it was like people like Rahab. It was many, many, many Gentiles who played a crucial role in the establishment of the state of Israel and the settlement of the people of Israel in the land of Israel, both in ancient biblical times and in modern times today. Wow, that is epic. I love that idea and that, I mean, concept maybe. So in the same way, kind of like the, the people of Israel um, possess the, the promised land, you're saying, and I, I know this, right? Because there's, there's kind of like um, what you mentioned, uh, like prophetic scripture where it says, you know, Israel, will, like you just said, right? Israel will be scattered, but then they will be regathered. Um, and to me, I even learned this in, in Mexico back when I was in university. And I was a little bit in a secular school in Mexico. I mean, there's Catholicism for the most part, but really most education is it's uh, secular. Like it doesn't really have uh, religious influence. 
other than maybe the culture as a whole has that background, right? Like the Judeo-Christian background. Um, but I mean, regardless of that, it was so interesting. And I remember in university, one of my teachers was saying, was talking about the fact that Israel formed as a nation again, right, in 1948. And I think he was talking to us about like the Battle of the Seven Days. And even him as a like non-Jew Mexican teacher, he was like, this is this is kind of miraculous. Like this is unheard of. This is, I mean, if you think of of how how battles are won in the world today, like it, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, so for somebody, uh, let's just call him a Gentile, right? Like somebody that doesn't really um, belong maybe in the, the Jewish culture to recognize that, that was just so, so, so interesting and so eye-opening. So to, I guess you're commemorating 75 years as a state. So tell me a little bit about that, that like, how do you, I mean, you're saying it's a miracle already, but uh, maybe like, what's the next step? Like you see it coming together. Uh, what have you witnessed in, in the years you've lived there so far? What are maybe some of the goals as a nation to like, okay, we've celebrated 75 years. Uh, this is what's next. This is what's coming. This is how we even like look back and, and are thankful for these miraculous things that have happened, right? Yeah, I think that many people in Israel, especially um, religious Jews, people who who are faithful to the Bible and to the Word of God, definitely see Israel as a nation, but as a sort of a supernatural nation, in that we are here um, not only to just have a strong, you know, country with a strong economy and a strong military, but a country that is meant to serve God and to really be a light unto the nations. That's the role of the Jewish people um, has always been to be a light unto the nation. And um, what it says in the Bible is that when the Jewish people are scattered and then they do come back, so they're going to come back, but the land itself, which has been a barren wasteland for thousands of years, so is going to then come to life and going to be revitalized and resurrected in many ways and uh the and so we're seeing that we're literally seeing that areas which were filled with swamps not that long ago are now like lush agriculture and we're talking about the desert i mean this is the middle east this is desert land and now israel is exporting agriculture all over the world which really cannot be explained scientifically it can only be explained prophetically and biblically and uh, you have over and over again all of the success of israel which cannot be explained rationally you know the fact that we are surrounded by real um hostile enemy nations that are constantly trying to persecute us and to fight against us or to use terrorism to destroy Israel, yet Israel continues to get stronger and stronger, which can only really be explained through the Bible. And then what is going to happen? So the Bible says what is going to happen. The Bible says that in the end of days, and this is like the best, I mean, it's if you read the Hebrew Bible, it's literally throughout. But if you, I'll give you just one example in Isaiah 2, chapter 2, where it says that in the end of days, um, once the people of Israel come back to the land of Israel, so then it, 
I'll read it in um it says that in the end of days, the mountain of God's house shall stand firm above the other mountains. And the previous verse said it's, we're talking about Jerusalem. So the mountain of Jerusalem is going to stand firm, and all the nations will gaze on it with joy. And many people from all the nations will say, come, let us go to the house of Jacob. For the God of the house of Jacob will instruct us in his ways, and we may walk in his paths. For the Torah, the instruction shall come forth from Zion, the word of God from Jerusalem. And then it says that they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not take up sword against nation. They shall never again know war. And that's really the next step. The next step is once the people of Israel are firmly settled in the land, and the world recognizes that and stops trying to take Israel away from us, then, and only then, we will, in fact, be able to have peace. Peace between, you know, like you said, you know, we were talking before about, you know, the importance of unity. And the unity of Jerusalem, we hope and we pray every day, will spread throughout the whole world. And that peace will emerge from Jerusalem and into the entire Middle East, and then, of course, throughout the entire world. That's really what we're why we're here in Israel, why, you know, I moved from America to the Middle East, to, to Israel. We're praying and working really hard on spreading peace throughout the whole region, throughout the whole world, based on our understanding and our appreciation of God's Word in the Bible. Wow. Yes, there's so many things you said right there uh, about, you know, when you were talking about the agriculture and, you know, the things almost like they don't make sense. And I attest to that because my brother lives in Mexico, but back in the days, I don't know, 10 years ago, I remember he was sent by a company to, to Israel to check out how they do their crops or their, you know, like their, basically the agriculture, because it's in the desert. So for, even for Mexico, like you're saying, you know, it was something to learn about because there's some really arid places in Mexico, especially like the northeast of Mexico. It's, it's I mean, it's kind of like south of the U.S., right? Like Arizona and all of that. So the north of Mexico is Sonora, Sinaloa, where it's basically desert climate. And he went there and he was learning. So it's so impressive how in like 75 years, like you said, um, so much has happened. And even like you're saying, you know, exporting agriculture in that sense, like people are le learning from Israel, even in, in practical ways like that, like agriculture. So how amazing is that? And then also, uh, well, you mentioned so many things that are so, so incredible. But when you talked about, Israel being a light to the nations, but also, and I have, you know, my pastor has done many travels to, to, to Israel and he has mentioned how, you know, there's a, a, a system of protection, you know, for lack of better words that I might have in which, uh, the country is under attack and there's this system that's kind of like counteracting all these attacks from the surrounding countries. Right. And so it's just, I mean, that's, that's just so, so interesting to me, it almost like unfathomable to think that a nation is under attack day after day after day after day. But then also when you said we are to be a light to all nations, 
uh, how do you pair those two together? Like knowing you have enemies, but at the same time knowing that you are called to be a light to all the nations. Uh, what do you think? Uh, maybe you're doing proactively as a rabbi, as a teacher to to bring that that light to the nations and and almost at the same time like wow we're we're under real threat here like how yeah. do you put those two together well you know it, it's no uh surprise that the jewish people are persecuted we've always been persecuted and uh really since the ancient times when christianity emerged out of judaism and separated from judaism there has been an effort to um, fight against the original religion. And um, throughout our history, we have been persecuted. There's been a lot of terrible Christian per- anti-Semitism. My own grandparents um, are from Europe, and their whole family were killed in the Holocaust. Uh, they barely survived. They were in the Auschwitz concentration camps and barely survived with their lives. And so my grandmother who's 93 years old she lives in cleveland ohio and uh, she doesn't understand why i would be so devoted and dedicated to working with christians because for her christians are the persecutor christians are the ones who killed her family and killed her parents or killed her siblings and i try to explain to her that you know, God has changed the hearts of Christians today. Now Christians are Israel's best friends in the world. And so God can do that and God can turn people around. And so even though we have enemies today in the in the Middle East, I know that God could turn that around also. And we're very hopeful that he will do so. We just want to be a source of blessing. We want to be a light into the nations. We want to share our agricultural blessings and all of our blessings with our with our neighbors with our cousins in the region and uh i believe that that's happening slowly you know we had this incredible um peace with um with the uae and with some of the other countries it's known as the abraham accords right because again we are all just the children of abraham who are looking to live together in peace and um, I think that it's hard work and it's uh, it goes a little bit against human nature because we're all kind of tribal and we all, you know, like to sort of stick to ourselves and be fearful of the other. But it requires going against our natural DNA, our human tendencies, but having the faith and the courage, the courage and the strength to um to show that we are willing to put our faith in god know that we deserve this land this land belongs to us we're not going to compromise that and we're going to be firm and strong we have to be israel has to be vigilant and extremely strong just like in the days of joshua but by doing so and by saying that our strength is comes from god that will have an impact on not only our neighbors, but the whole world. And that will serve as a reminder to all the people in the world, Jews, Christians, Muslims, everyone, that God is an eternal God and God keeps his promises. He kept the promises that he made thousands of years ago to ancient Israel. And he keeps the promises 
that he makes to each and every one of us. And it's a very inspiring, incredible message. It's also a message of reconciliation of Jews and Christians. It's a very hopeful story. Um, the, the story of the modern rebirth of Israel is the most optimistic and hopeful story that gives so much encouragement, not only to Jews, but also to Christians. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's so good. Okay, I love that. Um, I guess just kind of curiosity, but how do how does how does someone determine who is a Jew, right? And and maybe I have a, a set way into that, but like, is it by blood? Is it by like you just know because you were born out of you no know, somebody? Is there somebody that kind of like departs from that culture and says, you know, I, I don't care if I'm Jew or not, and you no know, maybe loses their tradition? Is that happened too? Um, so tell me a little bit of that. Like how, how, how do you know you're Jewish? Like by fact, like by blood, by lineage. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's actually a complicated question because Judaism is both a religion, but it's also like a na nationality. It's a, we're a nation, right? And so, um, and so there's like different aspects of Judaism, Um, but the traditional answer, the simple answer to your question is that if your mother is Jewish, then you're Jewish, mm -hmm. right? So my mother's Jewish and my father, but my mother's Jewish, so I'm Jewish. And, um, and it's always passed from mother to child. So you have today, um, there are in Israel, there's about almost 10 million people, about seven, seven and a half million Jewish people in Israel. Um, and then throughout the world, there's about another six or seven million Jewish people. Um, but not all Jewish people today are marrying other Jewish people. And so their children sometimes are Jewish, sometimes they're not Jewish. It depends. If the father's Jewish and the mother's not Jewish, those children are not Jewish. But if the mother's Jewish and the father is not Jewish, then those children are technically Jewish. And what's really interesting is, you know, and, and Beto, you're from Mexico. So in Mexico and in South America in uh, general, so there's a lot, a lot of people who have Jewish blood. They say something like one out of five people in South America have wow. Jewish blood. If you go far enough, right, because... For about 500 years ago, it's a long time ago, but in Jewish history, it's actually not so long ago. We we go back 3,000 years. So 500 years ago, the main center of the Jewish people, remember, we were kicked out of Israel. So we were not living in, in Israel. We were living in Spain, right? Wow. The, the center, like, to you know, the center of the Jewish community in the 1400s was in Spain. And the Jewish people were thriving in Spain, sort of like in America. You know, you have Jews who are doing great, and people knew the Jews, and they were friends with the Jews, and everybody liked each other. And uh, all of a sudden, at a, you know, in 1492, so the Queen Isabella and the King Ferdinand, they kicked out all of the Jewish people from Spain. Wow. Just like that, they kicked out all the... And it was very traumatic, because like, could you imagine, like, if one day, if in America, you know, like the... I don't know, President Biden would one day say, like, okay, all the Jews out of here, right? I mean, it would be very traumatic. But that happened to us a lot in our history. 
Um, we were kicked out of Spain, and then we went to Portugal. We were kicked out of Portugal. And then, of course, 1492 was also the year that Christopher Columbus discovered the New World. And so the Jews were like the first ones to go to the New World. Wow. And so a lot of them ended up in South America. And so you have a lot of, but they weren't really allowed to practice their Judaism anymore. And uh, they were being persecuted for being Jewish. And so they hid their Judaism and they ended up going to church because you had to. And so, but you have, if you do a DNA test, I bet if you do a DNA test, you're going to find that you have Jewish blood, Jewish ancestors. Wow. <laughs> that would be interesting, man. I would, yeah, I definitely need to do one of those uh, DNA tests. Wow. I mean, that that is super interesting. And uh, like you said, and maybe it's even like complicated, but thank you for, for bringing a little bit more light on how all that works. And even the, yeah, like the history of Judaism or just the Jewish nation as a, as a whole and the scatteredness and the, you know, getting kicked out again and again, that's, that's just uh, so, I don't know. It rings, I don't know, rings something in my head. Like, wow, what a, what a, not a, I don't even know the word. It's, it's almost like I wanted to say shame, but not shame. There's something else, you know, but anyways, super interesting journey, I would say for the Jewish community and to, to be able to come back to Israel and all that you said, you know, that you look forward to in the future. That's just, and even like, if I see it through the lens of you no know, prophetic and timelines and even as a Christian, right? I mean, I know we're here kind of like not going deep into debate, but even as a Christian, when I think of you know, Israel repossessing the land for us Christians, that's, that's like a big blinker in the timeline of, of Bible prophecy, even in new Testament prophecy for us. Right. So that's just way interesting how things are going to develop from, from here and on. Um, you make it sound like we have two very different religions. We really don't. We really don't. We have we share the same Bible and we believe in the same God. Most people in the world, there's no two religions that share the same Bible, Beto. We share the same Bible, at least a majority of the Bible. We have a lot in common, Jews and Christians. And the end game, you know, that the New Testament or the Old Testament is describing the same end game, basically. Basically, few of the details are a little bit different. And it's a really important um, idea to that people should be thinking about and praying about is that we are on the verge of something unprecedented in history of this true reconciliation of Jews and Christians, the children of Abraham getting together, recognizing that we have more in common than what divides us. And especially you know, look, as Jews, we were talking a lot about persecution. We've been persecuted since day one. And now Christians are being persecuted in America. And so they're, you know, again, like coming together and our values are under attack. The Judeo-Christian values are under attack. And so we have so much to gain by working together and uh, it seems very much in God's part of God's plan toward, as we get towards, you know, the end of history 
in the end of days. And what we both are praying for is the Mashiach, the Messiah. And um, so I think that is uh, a very special blessing for all of us to be alive today and to be able to play even a tiny little role in furthering history towards what God wants from all of us. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I love that. Thank you for pushing back even on on my thoughts, because sometimes uh, I'll tell you why. I think I gave so much room in this show for skeptics because, you know, I have ChristianPodcast.com. So my I think one of my my hopes is that people that are on the skeptical and even the blasphemous emoji, people who kind of like reject the idea of God or reject uh, maybe that consensus that you're talking about. I hope, you know, that some of them will whenever they are uh, maybe questioning their faith or questioning their uh, the situation of the world and they find christianpodcast.com right that they will have something to resonate with so that's why i think you know i have all this belief meter and this walking through the emojis because i'm always welcoming them and trying to say exactly what you said you know hey we're part of one humanity can you think bigger than just religion, even though I know it's it's it can be very divisive when you think about God and you know describing Jesus and maybe Christology and theology and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I love what you said. You know, at the end of it all, we're humans, and I love what you said about the Judeo-Christian um, perspective because I think, regardless of you know whether people agree with it or not, the Western world was shaped by it as we know it and and that's so interesting even as i refer to like back in my my university days going to school and being in a secular you know quote unquote um school i now when i look back i can see the the judeo-christian values played out again and again and again and again and even you know i've talked with um Guinness, who's a, a critical a social critic and he he even values the bible so much like if the 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 Tanakh and like all this this story so much because he sees this as, as that almost like Judeo Christian um like if God is talking to us as humans why did he choose Israel right and and why did, did it develop through the centuries into Christianity and why do we pay so much attention to these writings that are so meaningful and I think that's because exactly what you're kind of like or what we're discussing here and describing that no, God cares. God speaks to his people. How beautiful is that, that he speaks to people and that there is, in a sense, a, a law, you know, for some people, that might be the word that resonates with them or the, the commandments of God. But the fact that they're written and that they have been passed on from generation to generation and are, in a sense, preserved until today, that's that's also epic, right? To me, it makes so much sense when I see it in that in that um, arena. So I guess before we go to our final emojis, you're a rabbi, and I know rabbis teach, and I would love to know that apart from teaching, I think also uh, this is kind of like my perspective on on a rabbi, right? But I feel like rabbis they ask a lot of questions too. So I would love to ask you, what kind of questions are you asking lately? And even if you have a question for me. Hmm. Um, 
Okay, yeah, there's definitely a lot of questions because in Israel today, there's a, a lot of actually fighting, unfortunately. Um, there's a big uh, civil unrest that's going on, um, and there's a big fight in the Supreme Court. And I, I guess, you know, my question is, uh, how are, is, is Israel going to overcome what seems like a very serious split in the society? That's the, that's the question that not only am I asking, everyone here in Israel is asking that. It's been 75 years. 75 is a, an, an important milestone. Um, and that, you know, we had the first generation of the founders of the state, the second generation who overcame a lot of obstacles and built things up. But now our generation takes it all for granted. And are we going to be able to put aside our differences and work for the common good? Or are we going to mess it up? And that's like, that's a big question that we're all struggling with here in Israel. Oof. Wow, that's a deep question. That's that's very profound. And <laughs> I'm almost going to say it, it sounds kind of like America, too. You know, I see I see a little bit of that, too. And maybe even it's that that sense lately I've been feeling like, you know, the words, the world's gone global. So, no, some of that maybe civil unrest that you're experiencing there, it's kind of like the global civil unrest that we're experiencing everywhere. You know, in Mexico, there were some laws just passed through the Supreme Court as in regards into, you know, the um, uh, a child's life when they're going to be born. And I don't want to use the word that you know, people use nowadays, but basically babies' rights and the fact that they can come into this world or not. So laws are being passed all around the world. And so, yeah, I guess there's civil unrest all over the place. But I love the fact that God is faithful. He reigns. And if I, we go back to the words where we started, <laughs> I wrote it here. I might say it wrong, but it was something like Hasak de Hamas. Hasak yeah. de Hamas, right? So be strong and courageous, my friends. Like God loves us. He is with us and he's calling us maybe into taking the territory that he's inviting us into right to take on the land for israel it was literally like taking on the land but maybe maybe there's some uh we can uh, what's the word uh i forgot the word but maybe we're stepping into our own conquering the lands per se in our in our day-to-day -day lives right and that's the invitation that have confidence i'm with you i'm the lord i i made you right i created you so how beautiful is that so let's move on to our last segment of the episode which is the emojis so back to the emojis and the belief Omitter, we're gonna start with blasphemous and Tuli from your vantage point either to recap the episode or to think of the future what is the worst idea out there you can think of what is the worst idea out there I think uh, the worst idea out there is uh, is arrogance 
when when we think that we know best and we we stop listening to other people wow so good skeptical emoji what are you still skeptical of or where do you see skepticism played out skeptical that I I'm 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 skeptical that uh, so much of what I hope for in this reconciliation of Jews and Christians is uh, not going to be as quick and as productive as I hope because um, people are hardwired to not trust each other and to uh i'm skeptical that the skeptics are going to be too powerful wow Oof, that's deep right there but what gives you hope where do you see inspiration i see inspiration really everywhere i look here in israel there's uh there's people who left their homes in from all over the world and on my street there are Jewish people from all over the world who who gave up beautiful lives to live here in God's land and that gives me tremendous hope for the future awesome a holy idea according to rabbi tuli Especially this week, that we are on uh, the verge of the days of awe, Rosh Hashanah, the new year. So it is the holiest time of the year. We say in Hebrew that this time of year is Hamelech Basadeda, the king is in the field. And the king is so approachable right now, wherever you are, if you're in Israel. But even if you're in California or in Mexico or in Ohio, where I'm from, the king is in the field. God is more accessible and the time is a holier time than any other period on the calendar. And lastly, the most divine idea that you can think of. idea I would go back to the beginning that this week we are so focused on the divinity of God on the kingdom of God and it's something that we all should stop and pause our busy life to focus on God's kingdom and what are we doing to give God his crowning his crown of kingship and this is the day we believe the world was created on Rosh Hashanah this was the day of creation and it is the day that God became the king of all of mankind all of humanity and it's that anniversary and so it is a pleasure a blessing to be able to once again acknowledge God's kingdom weekend this Rosh Hashanah
so beautiful, my friends. ChristianPodcast.com. Check us out. Check out our Beliefometer. Click on the emojis. Tell us how you're feeling. And I want to point people to your resources, Israel365.com. Where do you want to point people to to find more about what you guys are doing and bringing these conversations of Christians and, and Jews? Yeah, so people can email me. I'm Rabbi Tuli at Israel365.com. And if you want the Israel Bible, you can get it either on Amazon or at our website, theisraelbible.com. All right, there you have it, my friends. Thank you so much for being here, listening to this episode of ChristianPodcast.com. Please visit us, review us, give us five-star reviews or more. No less than that. Otherwise, move on to some other podcast. <laughs> All right, share this episode with a friend. I'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.